Hey guys, so I've decided to try something different. A new weekly email newsletter I'm calling Roll Call. Is that cheesy? <laughs> I guess it's kind of a cheesy name, but whatever. In any event, it's a short, totally free weekly blast of instructive recommendations and resources. Just things I've discovered, enjoyed, and found helpful to grace your inbox every Thursday. That's it. No spam, ever. I'm just grateful for your support, and this is a simple way for me to give back and be of greater service to you. So if this sounds like something you'd be into, you can sign up for the newsletter at richroll.com. Now on to the show. I get plenty of protein just from the plants I'm eating, and I think it's a huge misconception about how much protein we actually need. You know, I know before I started looking into all this, I would have guessed that maybe for what I was trying to do as an athlete, that maybe 50% of my calories should be protein. You think lean protein, like that's what I need. So that's the first thing is like, you don't need as much protein as you might think. That's Miami Dolphins wide receiver, Griff Whalen. And this is the Rich Roll Podcast. The Rich Roll Podcast. Hey guys, what's happening? What's going on? My name is Rich Roll. I am your friendly neighborhood host of the Rich Roll Podcast, the show where, of course, each week I sit down with some of the world's most inspiring people, paradigm-breaking thought leaders, scientists, doctors, filmmakers, musicians, entrepreneurs, authors, activists, world-class athletes, in the case of today's guest, and even the occasional everyman, simply people with experience and expertise across all categories of positive living, social change, and performance. And my hope is that these conversations will find a way to serve you in your journey to unlock and unleash your best, most authentic self. So today's guest is very interesting. He is the only, at least to my knowledge, 100% plant-based athlete in the National Football League. He's Miami Dolphins wide receiver Griff Whalen. He's at Griff Whalen on Twitter. Give him a shout. Uh, Griff's a really smart and thoughtful guy. He's got a very compelling story, uh, both because of, as well as even beyond his iconoclastic, at least for the NFL, uh, vegan diet. And we're going to unpack all of it, but first. We're brought to you today by Brain FM. You know that thing when you have a bunch of intense work that you just have to do, but the mind doesn't really wanna do it? You're telling it, come on, focus, but it keeps getting distracted or agitated by nonsense, and you go through this painful sort of mini war to rein it in, to settle it down, and just concentrate on the thing. Wouldn't it be great if there was something that would ease or eliminate this process? I don't know, like something you put in your brain through your ears? That would be great. And the good news is that it does exist. It's called Brain.fm, which is this sonic platform that leverages science to create tunes specifically crafted to optimize brain performance for a specific task. Tunes that contain patterns that shift your brain state with something even more effective than binaural beats called neural entrainment. So that you can more easily focus on that thing or lure you into the sleep that persistently eludes you. 
Personally, I notice it the most when I sit down to write. Typically, this experience floods me with anxiety and a near lethal dose of the big R resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about. But now I pop on the headphones, I dial up brain.fm, click the focus feature, and the process becomes, I mean, look, writing is still hard, but now it really is so much easier to get into that state of flow and stay there. So if you're ready to unlock your focus and productivity, I've got a special offer just for you. I asked them to give my listeners 30 days free and you can get it at brain.fm slash richroll. I bet you'll love it just as much as I do. We're brought to you today by a very exciting brand new sponsor, Go Brewing. I am sober. I don't drink. And I devoted so many episodes of this podcast to the unreal benefits of an alcohol-free lifestyle. Why? Because even if you don't have issues with booze and suds, no amount of alcohol is good for you. At a minimum, it wreaks havoc on your sleep and produces a hangover that destroys your energy, your mood, and your focus. At worst, it turns your whole life upside down. But no longer does that mean you have to break up with your favorite brew because my pals at Go Brewing are making all your favorite brews, minus the alcohol, fewer calories, and more productive tomorrows. It's not every day that I get the privilege to witness the inception of a company collaborating with our podcast, but that's exactly what happened with Go Brewing. I'm gonna tell you this story. A few years back, I spoke at this event in Illinois, fittingly named Go, and it turns out that that very day catalyzed Joe, the founder, to start his own NA beer company, Go Brewing. I had no idea about any of this until I bumped into Joe at Jesse Itzler's Running Man event the other month in Georgia, and he shared this story with me. I savored his fare in all its varieties and deeply moved by the mission and what he shared with me and just impressed with the insane taste and quality of his alcohol-free concoctions, I wanted to help share the discovery. Made with natural ingredients faithful to traditional beer styles, Go Brewing has an impressive lineup of delicious, small-batch, craft, alcohol-free brews, all without added sugar or artificial processing. My favorite is their double IPA, not just another story, but basically you just really can't go wrong because everything they make is brewed to perfection, worthy of trying yourself, which you can now do at gobrewing.com. That's gobrewing.com and use the code richroll for 15% off your first purchase. All right, how you guys doing? You guys doing okay? Are you still with me? Good, because lots to love, lots to appreciate about today's podcast episode, today's conversation, and today's guest, Griff Whalen. Beyond the fact that Griff is the only, again, at least to the best of my knowledge, 100% plant-based athlete who is currently active in the NFL, which of course is incredibly inspiring and super interesting in its own right, this is really an underdog story. It's the story of an undersized, undrafted player who has faced more than his fair share of obstacles and setbacks, and yet continues to persevere, to bridge his size and God-given talent limitations by basically outworking everyone on the field, by studying the game harder than anybody else, but above all, by believing in himself. At first glance, this 5'11", 190-pound wide receiver doesn't exactly strike the typical NFL pose. He's thoughtful, he's considerate, he's a little bit quiet, 
And although quite swift, he lacks that world-class speed, and he's not exactly gargantuan. Although he was certainly a solid high school player, even he wasn't sure he was going to be able to take his skills to the next level. Griff was a walk-on athlete at Stanford and yet nonetheless ended up making the roster his freshman year and soon worked his way up to a starting position. But still, it's not like the NFL was calling. That was still a pipe dream. And sure enough, Griff was not drafted, yet somehow he eked into the pro ranks when he was picked up as a free agent by the Indianapolis Colts in 2012. And despite all kinds of setbacks, including a broken foot in 2012 that benched him, he makes the Colts starting lineup in 2013 and ends up playing alongside his best friend and his college roommate, Andrew Luck, who you might have heard of. He's the NFL's most highly compensated player due to this newly minted six-year $140 million mega deal that he recently signed. Uh, Griff is currently in his fourth year with the NFL, and today he finds himself heading into the 2016-2017 season in a brand new city, playing with a brand new team, the Miami Dolphins. So again, in many ways, this really is an underdog story. Of course, a big part of this discussion is about the hows and the whys of Griff's plant-based protocol, dispelling nutritional myths related to athletic performance, but it's also about the power of belief. It's about perseverance, the refusal to quit, the refusal to give up. It's about going the extra mile to find that performance edge, and above all, it's about believing in yourself. So, without further ado, Let's uh, toss the ball with Griff. Let's do it. All right. Thanks for coming up here, dude. It's uh, super nice to finally meet you. I feel like I know you already, though. Like, I feel connected to you through social media, and we've obviously been chatting for a while, but uh, our first time in-person meeting, it's, uh, this yeah. is cool. Yeah, same. I feel like I yeah, interacted with you a bunch, even though first right. time meeting you. What are you, uh, what are you doing here in the L.A. area? Uh, I've been training all week um, down in Carlsbad. So my agent lives in Dana Point. I've mm-hmm. um, been hanging out with him a little bit and getting some training in for the off season. Who's uh, who's your agent? Ryan Downey. Is he who was the big super agent? Wasn't he from Dana Point? The original like badass dude. Oh, I don't know. I'm spacing was, right now. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. Know. But can... like the guy who kind of pioneered being a sports agent back in the day. I'll think of it later, of course. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he, I, I'm yeah, he sure was... he was from Dana Point. Anyway. Um, yeah, he he's born and raised in Dana Point and uh-huh. beautiful area, fun place to go train. So you don't you don't have to be in Miami right now. No, we just finished up. Um, we have two months basically of off season workouts, OTAs, and mini camp. So we just finished that up, and now we have a few few more weeks before training camp starts. Mm-hmm. So you just thought you come out here, get some good weather, bang out some good training. Yeah. You have friends out here? Got a bunch of friends out here. Um, I'm actually leaving tomorrow, going up to the Bay Area um, for a friend's wedding. And then, um, you know, I've got a bunch of college friends up there that I'll get to see. Mm-hmm. Cool. And uh, how are you settling in in Miami? How do you like it? Um, pretty good. I've, I've been having a really good time, actually. Uh-huh. It's a little uh, different than Indianapolis. It is a little different. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I, I like it. I really like it there. And I like it more now than I did like 10 years ago. There's so many cool, interesting things happening there, like the whole Wynwood, you know, arts. Yeah, I was just there a couple days that. ago. It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, we, yeah. Um, um, and you know, Andrew Luck is one of my right. best friends. He was down there for a few days and we ended up going down to Wynwood and 
um, grabbed some dinner and the U.S. Columbia game was on. Oh, wow. And we found some little sports bar where probably 70% of it was Spanish-speaking Columbia fans. But uh-huh. it was just such a cool environment. Um, and walking around, looking at all the um, street art and graffiti. So it's, it's the street art capital of the world. Yeah, the, it's, the pretty, it's pretty me. incredible. It's pretty incredible. So there's an event, I think it's in November, uh, the Seed Food and Wine Festival. I was part of it last year. I'm, gonna, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go again. Uh, and a lot of the activities take place around Wynwood and the adjacent area. Nice. And I hadn't been there in many years. And it was just so cool to see how that neighborhood is, you know, developed. And there's a lot of cool stuff happening there. Did you yeah. go to, have you been to Plant Food and Wine yet yeah. in Wynwood? Yeah. Been there twice with uh, Marco. Oh, you went with Marco. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So I'm so glad you guys connected. Yeah, me too. Marco Borges, former podcast guest, 22 Days Nutrition. Isn't he the coolest dude? He's awesome. Yeah. Just so, the nicest guy. Yeah. And he knows everybody in Miami. So I thought it would be great for you guys to hook up. Yeah. So, uh, so is he like introducing you around town? <laughs> um, I don't, not yet. Not that I, you need it. You're playing for the Miami Dolphins. Doors right. are swinging wide open for you wherever you go, I'm sure. No, not yet. I mean, he's such a busy guy too. He's, yeah. you know, I've, we've been texting and we've hung out a couple of times, but he's in and out and he's in New York. He's in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He's, um, hanging out with, um, Beyonce and Jay-Z. So yeah, he's a little bit, yeah, right? he's got some stuff going on. But for a guy who's doing all that kind of stuff, like it, it would be easy to form the impression that he's, you know, in it for the sort of star association and it just couldn't be further from the truth. Like oh, he's yeah. true blue, like so solid, you know, just grounded, good, like good dad, like family guy, yeah. like he's got his shit together. Yeah. He's awesome. And it's funny to see him pop up in uh, DJ college Snapchat feed. You see that? Cause he goes and trains that dude. Yeah. It's so funny. Anyway. Um, that's great, man. I think it's a, it's a good fit for you. I'm excited to see, you know, how the season develops, like, how are you feeling and, you know, kind of what maybe, you know, paint the picture a little bit about, you know, how it's all working and, you know, kind of what's on the line for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people don't really realize that NFL players can, you know, we have contracts, but we can get cut any, you know, released by the team at any time. Um, which is kind of weird for people to hear that. I don't really realize it because you just think of contracts and like mm-hmm. having that security, but there's really no security um, except for a handful of guys on each team. So um, for me, I'm in kind of the same position I've been in a few times already in Indianapolis, um, you know, just trying to prove myself and mm-hmm. be as valuable as I can doing, doing different things on the team. Um, so we've got, you know, you'll usually keep five or six receivers on a team. And right now we've got Jarvis Landry mm-hmm. and Devontae Parker, our, you know, top two receivers. And then a handful of other guys kind of competing. Kenny Stills is in there, um, myself. And then they also drafted a couple of young receivers this year. So there's it's a lot of good competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly something I've gotten used to at this point. <laughs> right. I mean, this has kind of been your thing for a while, right? Like you're yeah. kind of a, a yeoman, you know, journeyman dude who's fighting for his job literally like every week. Yeah. And, you, you know, I have this theory, it's not really a theory, but my perspective on, you know, you as an athlete is of this, this guy who's obviously gifted with a certain level of talent, but somebody who learned early and often that uh, if you wanted to kind of, you know, bridge the talent gap and, 
you know, play above your, le- your level that you were going to have to work extra hard. And, you know, you've demonstrated that through like your tremendous work ethic and your focus on nutrition and detail. And, you know, we we're talking about detail mm-hmm. a little bit before the podcast, um, to allow you to maybe, you know, get into situations that somebody who's, you know, what are you, 5'11", mm-hmm. 190, yep. you know, it's like, you know, guys of your stature yeah. <laughs> aren't generally, you know, making the roster. Right. So is that a fair characterization? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I just, I just got a, I just wrote an uh, email to a high school kid. He reached out to me on Snapchat, actually, just saying he was a fan and asking if I had any advice. And I ended up writing him a pretty long email. I'll show it to you after we're done. Um, about exactly what you just said. Like, you know, I wasn't the best athlete in my high school. I, you know, I played against high school teams with a handful of better athletes every, every week. Um, but yeah, I was just fortunate enough to have, to like learn as I go and have good coaches and mentors Mm -hmm. and pay attention and learn how to work it enough other things to sort of bridge that gap like you said so you weren't even the best player on your high school team um i mean i was a good player i I wouldn't say i was our best athlete just Uh like raw athleticism um you know i i have my skill set and um talent for sure but um wasn't blazing fast or super strong or any of those things you weren't a guy who like out of the gate everyone's tracking saying we got to keep an eye on this dude like look at his 40 you know and all that no definitely not i I didn't have any didn't have any um scholarship offers coming Uh out of high school no d1 offers you you walked on at stanford right yeah that's crazy i mean i have a lot of you know i see a lot of my own in in a lot of different ways too but a lot of you know i relate a lot to that because Mm -hmm. Uh, I was recruited by Stanford, but I wasn't a scholarship athlete, you know, so I, I wasn't really a walk on, but I wasn't, I was kind of a bench warmer also. Um, but you know, I was a workhorse. Like I was always trying to yeah. get, be the little fish in the big pond because how else are you going to know? Right. Unless yeah. you put yourself in that situation. It didn't know it didn't work out as well for me as <laughs> for you, but I relate to that, you know, that perspective and, um, you know, that ambition. So so you weren't even being recruited by state. So where, so when you were, where'd you grow up? Michigan? In, in uh, Michigan? Toledo. Oh, in Toledo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're a senior in high school, you're a pretty good ball player, but the coaches aren't calling. Some of them had to have been. Um, I mean, there was like some communication and I basically sent highlight tapes to every school that I could think of. Um, and yes, Stanford was one that I actually heard back from mm-hmm. and they, uh, they kind of said, you know, we like you as a player. And they, um, brought me out on a visit to see the campus and meet the coaches and stuff and said, you know, we'd, we'd love to, if you can get, you know, get into school, we'd love to have you as a mm-hmm. walk-on on the team. And, um, we have a good reputation for allowing those guys to compete and earn scholarships if um, if they're up to it. So, mm. and basically as soon as I walked on campus, I was sold. <laughs> it's hard not to be, oh, yeah. you know, a kid from Toledo goes out to stand. Was that your first time in California? Um, it might've been. Yeah. Yeah. It's impressive. I mean, I had that same, you know, experience mm-hmm. like, okay, that decision's been made, you know? Yeah. Right. So, so you show up and, uh, essentially a walk on, but you end up becoming, I mean, it would be typical for you to redshirt your freshman year, right? But you end up getting on the roster. 
Yeah. Um, I ended up playing, uh, probably not like a great decision in hindsight. Um, the first time I got in, you know, we were up big on a team and so they start taking some of the starters out and the special teams coach kind of looked over at me and he was like, do you want to go return a couple of punts? Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I went in to return some punts and <clears throat> kind of finished the game at receiver. And <clears throat> I don't think at that time they had any thought of maybe he's going to be one of our starting receivers <laughs> in right. a couple of years. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, yeah, I got to play in a couple of games, but um I'm sure when did when did uh you know when did the lights go on and you know either you know you began to believe or the coaching staff began to believe that you know you could be a starting wide receiver um i think going into my sophomore year you know there wasn't a lot of older guys ahead of me there was two guys one year older than me really um ryan whalen no relations <laughs> and Doug Baldwin, who just got a big contract with the Seahawks um, as an undrafted guy. Pretty proud of him. Um, so, you know, and a few other guys in my class that I was competing with. But um, I don't know. I always felt like even then my skill set of just being able to be sort of quick and just catch the ball every time mm-hmm. was useful. Um, so just trying to find that role for myself and – work really hard at in the weight room and on the field becoming just more athletic bigger and faster Mm -hmm. um so kind of going into my sophomore year and then i got to play more my sophomore year and then you know played a little bit more every year and after after my junior year i saw those two guys ahead of me um you know, start training for the combine and each of them go make NFL teams. And I, that's when I kind of started to think, you know, I think I can do that too. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I can play with those guys and um, just kind of seeing them do it gave me the right. confidence in myself. Well, a couple things. I mean, first of all, you know, where does, where does the, the drive, the ambition, like the work ethic come from? I mean, did you have you know, parents that instilled that in you or, you know, what do you think that's about for you? Um, I don't think it was really my parents. I mean, they, you know, they never pushed me into anything. Like, you know, some of those parents like are constantly with their kids, like taking them to different camps and you're going to do this and coaching them up and stuff. And I didn't have any of that. It was just kind of, you know, play what I played at every, you know, every sport growing up and they were uh-huh. just like, do whatever you like and play which one you like best. Right. Have fun. Yeah, have fun. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? Um, yeah, I have a stepsister and then a younger brother and sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think it was just, you know, the first part, it was just always a dream of mine, like, and something that I wanted really bad. And two, I'm just, I think just being a really competitive person, like, I just don't like to lose at anything or (laughs) like, you know, whatever it is. Like if I start playing ping pong with somebody like, you know, I want to, I want to (laughs) win. It's just kind of that competitive edge. What kind of kid were you in high school? I mean, you were the jock kid, right? You're playing every sport, um, rocking the leather, the the, 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 the letterman jacket and the whole deal. Yeah. I mean, but you're kind of a quiet, studious guy too yeah right? you're not like a boisterous no. party dude no not at all um, definitely quieter but 
just loved like, phys- you know, physical activities and mm-hmm. doing that, um, competing. That's just where I felt kind of comfortable, um, being myself and being aggressive on the field or the court, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah. And I mean, I was a good student too. Like that was something that was more so what my parents pushed on me was just mm-hmm. like, make sure your grades come first. Right. Yeah. So they had to be psyched when you decided you were going to go to Stanford. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like what, where, where, what were the other options? Like Ohio state, um, like that more close to home, Ohio or? state, I could have been a walk on also, but that wasn't, I don't think as much of an option. Um, Dayton university is like a smaller school, Toledo university. Mm-hmm. And then there was a couple of random ones like, um, Syracuse. I kind of liked because I was also thinking about playing lacrosse instead of football. Mm-hmm. Um, I played that in high school too. And, right. um, was pretty good. And, and I mean, I liked playing it a lot. Lacrosse is a, not a lot really of that in California sport. though. No, I they had a I, club I, team when I was there. Are they still, is it still a club, still sport? a club team. Yeah. I actually played one year on the club. Oh, you team. Did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so how early into your Stanford experience do you like sort of, you know, develop this relationship with Andrew Luck. That's, that's a big part of kind of your story and your evolution as a player. Yeah. Um, kind of, kind of right away. Um, didn't know who he was, like, didn't know who anybody was, you know, he was a big recruit out of high school, but I didn't, mm. I didn't know that. Um, and our class, like our whole class, um, that freshman class, we, we all like bonded a lot and, um, we were really close as a group. We still, you know, we still are, and yeah, I don't know. We just kind of hit it, you know, hit it off right away. Just sort of similar personalities and got along right away. Um, and ended up being roommates the next three years. Um, through you, where did you live at Stanford? Uh, I was in Sarah. Oh, you're in Sarah. In Sarah? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. I was Wilbur. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. So you're roommates with him and you know, everybody, knows like this guy's a bright shining star i mean speaking of contracts i mean he just signed an insane contract this like the, like a week ago right 130 million dollars or something yeah he signed it yesterday is he always oh, yesterday <laughs> yeah is that like the biggest contract in nfl history it is it is right like yep. that's amazing yeah i mean did you know back then like he was headed in that direction um yeah like probably so he didn't play our freshman year. They redshirted him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always joked that we had like the best scout team offense, you know, ever. <laughs> we, uh-huh. we had him, we had a, a few offensive linemen that are playing in the NFL now. Um, a few receivers, like just a pretty, ended up being a pretty, pretty talented group. Um, but yeah, I mean, pretty much right away, he kind of jumped off the field, like, wow, like this guy's mm-hmm. special. And then, um, our, our sophomore year, as soon as he started playing in games, um, I think we all knew like, right. For sure. Like he's, you know, maybe going to be the best player in the country in college and definitely going to be a big time NFL player. Right. And so for somebody who's listening, who's kind of not that familiar with football, which I count myself amongst, <laughs> um, you know, what was the trajectory of the Stanford program over the course of the four years that you were there under, you know, the Andrew Luck regime? Like it went from good to like, great. Yeah. Much, right? Um, yeah, he was a big part of that. And then coach Harbaugh coming there was mm-hmm. a big part of it. I think they were, 
um, one and 11 or something like that the year before mm-hmm. coach Harbaugh got there and then just improved every year. And we ended up going to, um, back to back BCS games. And then after we graduated, they continued that for a couple more years, you know, right. they've been good the past few years, which has been awesome to see. But yeah, I mean, he, you know, was a big part of totally turning around that program. Um, just taking control of that offense and, and the team overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was fun. I mean, we just, you know, we had good coaches and good players and we were able to just have, you know, be ourselves and play and have fun out there. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing situation to be at, you know, such an incredible academic institution and be able to play sports at that level, like on the national level, internationally recognized. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like, it doesn't get any better than that. Right. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's, it's weird too, because, and you know this, but like, um, like football players aren't special at Stanford. Like yeah. <laughs> maybe they are at, you know, a big sec school or something. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who it is, even Andrew walking around, mm-hmm. like, you know, there's several other Olympic athletes walking next to him. And, you know, the thing about Stanford <laughs> is <laughs> the thing about Stanford. That's so amazing. I think people think it's a bigger school than it actually is they don't realize that you know it's it's actually it's not like you know university of michigan like it's small like your freshman class is is. what like 1500 i think yeah um and every single person that you meet you know is you know the andrew luck of whatever they're good yeah you know what i mean like (laughs) oh like in my classes like oh she plays this she's the best stradivarius violin player in the world and like this person grew up on an alpaca farm and like that guy, you know, is a computer science wizard, you know, like everybody you meet has some weird thing <laughs> yeah, about absolutely. them that makes them super kind of interesting in different ways. And and that's very true about Stammer. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. Like everybody, yeah, that's cool. You do that. But like, I don't care cause I do this, <laughs> which is cool. So, all right. So you start to, you start to think like, Hey, maybe the NFL is, perhaps in the cards for me if I, you know, if Mm -hmm. I work hard and, you know, get my house in order. Um, But you didn't, uh, you weren't drafted out of Stanford, right? So how do you end up, first of all, how do you end up in Indianapolis? And like, how amazing is it that you get to continue to play with Andrew Luck, you know, post-college? Yeah, so I went undrafted and um, I had, the way it works is like, you can kind of, be in communication with teams and stuff throughout that weekend. Um, so towards the end of the draft, I started getting calls like, um, Hey, you know, if, if you don't get drafted and, um, if we don't take another receiver in the last round or whatever, like, we'd love to talk to you about coming over on as an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. And so I had a few of those phone calls and at that point it's just kind of strategy. Like, um, with my agent, we, you know, we sat down and looked at, and it happens pretty quickly actually. So we had, um, we tried to have somewhat of an idea before the draft, mm-hmm. but then you never know what's going to happen throughout it too. So then we're sitting there looking at the teams that call and, um, the first one is the first call is Harbaugh from San Francisco. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's that's good. That's yeah. a call you want to have, oh, yeah. right? No, you know, I, that's exciting. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and we have a good relationship, so uh-huh. I, was, I was excited about that. Um, 
and then a couple other teams, um, one of which was Indy, and it just kind of made so much sense. They, especially roster-wise, mm-hmm. they didn't have um, a very full roster at receiver, so that that just was the best opportunity for me. Um, and then Andrew going there and us being able to work together in the preseason leading up to it and mm-hmm. then just knowing each other so well. Um, it made a lot of sense. And it was actually, uh, in a way, a little bit riskier. Um, you know, Coach Harbaugh said, definitely want to bring you over here. Um, you know, you can compete for a spot and I'll definitely keep you on practice squad if, if you can't make the roster, which is you know, as an undrafted guy, that's kind of a big deal making a practice squad. Right. So uh, explain what that means. Like being, being right. on the practice squad basically means you're, you're still gainfully employed and part of the organization. Right. You, so there's 53 players that are on the roster. And at the time there were eight, there are now 10 practice squad players and they it's, it's the exact same as being on the roster except for like Sundays, you just don't dress for the game. Mm-hmm. So you still practice every day. You go to the meetings, you go to everything. Um, you just don't go to, you know, you don't dress for the games. Um, and you don't have like a, like a con, like a big contract, like everybody, you, you know, you make a lot less. Right. Um, so having that security was like, um, kind of a big deal actually for an undrafted player. Um, but we talked about it and looked at the, Colts and said, you know, our, my goal is to make a roster and actually contribute and play. Um, so it might be riskier because I might not even make the practice squad there, but it's, you know, I felt like it was kind of worth it for a shot to make a roster. Right. So in other words, the, you know, the, the roster had some holes in it that you thought you could fill that perhaps didn't exist in San Francisco. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. So yeah, that's a little bit of a, a gamble and a risk. Yeah. Um, but you get to go and be with your boy. Yeah. You know, right. And, uh, and so you show up and, you know, sort of long story short, I mean, you work your way up into the roster. Like how long did that, did that take? Um, so my rookie year, I actually was doing really well, um, in the off, like in the off season, in the rookie, there's a rookie mini camp. And then right at the beginning of training camp, I break my foot mm-hmm. and, it was a Jones Sorry. fracture, which is the 2012 or 2013. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. Uh-huh. Jones fracture, which is that fifth metatarsal of your foot. Um, a really small stress fracture. So talking with the doctors and the GM and the coach about what my options are and they lay them out and basically I can do surgery and fix it. And that puts me out, um, maybe two, two and a half months. Um, which is missing the entire training camp and preseason. Mm-hmm. I can just kind of wait it out and let it heal naturally, which is a lot longer, I don't, six months maybe. I don't know what it is. Um, that one was kind of like not even really on the right. table. And then they said, you know, you can try and we can just treat the hell out of it, put a, you know, bone stimulator or everything on it, you know, five times a day and um, we'll have you on crutches, non weight bearing for a week and then see how it feels and scan it again. And then have you work back slowly putting weight on it, um, Mm -hmm. for another week and hopefully get you in some of the preseason games. Um, so again, as an undrafted guy, 
if I miss the entire training camp in preseason, there's zero kinda, chance yeah, over for you. zero chance of making the team. Um, pretty low of making the practice squad. Even you just kind of like, I mean, I don't know. Like for my class, I think I was the only undrafted player, like to stay with the Colts. Mm-hmm. So out of I don't know twenty or thirty. So just to show you, like most of them are just gone their rookie year after that first first training camp. Right. So missing that would have been pretty detrimental. Um, so we went with the other option and I took the time off that I needed to and came in and played in two preseason games, which the rosters are much bigger at that point. So you're, it's kind of like a tryout for everybody. Right. So instead of splitting it with six receivers, you're splitting it with 12 maybe. Um, so I got in pretty much just, just in the fourth quarter of those two games and um was fortunate to have two really good games um had like eight or 12 catches or something um and and then at the end of that the last game i was in i made a cut running a route like a sharp cut and just felt it pop and kind of broke it the rest of the way so but it was okay you know it was but you were able to show yeah, it worked out. everybody that you could perform. Right. They brought me back in. They said, look, you know, you you were really impressive in the preseason. Um, we're happy with what we see. We'll put you on IR for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, IR is injured reserve. So you're basically, it's like a subgroup on the team where you're still on the team and you still get paid and you're just basically rehabbing the whole time. So right. you don't you, you don't go to practice. You don't do any of that. It makes you, you're in this kind of weird purgatory yeah. though, right? Like, but you it's probably to, sort of cool because you're like, I don't really have to do anything. Yeah. But at the same time, you're, I'm sure you're Jones and you, know, yeah. you want to be on the field. And it, it keeps you on your contract. So like, I get to come back next year and mm-hmm. like be on the team again. Um, so it worked out a lot and it actually probably worked out more so than I know. Um, looking back, I realized that um, I was pretty naive about my situation. Like, just about my odds of making anything the team or the practice squad. I think I just kind of, which I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like I, I just was confident that in how well I was playing that like, Oh, I'm, I'm making this team. Like I'm playing way too good right now. Right. But in retro, (laughs) you mean like sort of in retrospect, looking back upon it, thinking like, yeah, I didn't really like, I don't know why I was so confident. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I hear that a lot with a lot of people that I have on the show. Like, that idea of naivete kind of playing into your favor. Like if I'd known what I was up against, like I never would have, maybe I wouldn't have even tried or wouldn't have believed in myself. Right. Not knowing you just kind of like, yeah, man, I'm going to rock this. Yeah. And then finding a way to make it work. Yeah. Like looking back, I think it would have been more likely to be my rookie year, probably on practice squad, hopefully, Uh (laughs) as opposed to the next year being on the active roster and actually playing. So, Mm. Um, and, but in my head that my rookie year, I was, I was pretty, I was sure I was making the team. Like I'm just, I'm playing really well right now. Like why wouldn't they, why wouldn't they keep me? Mm -hmm. So, and they're, they're sending, they're telling you, you know, you're performing, right. They're giving you the feedback. It's interesting. You know, it's like this, this, this pattern, you know, emerges of you kind of saying, Oh, there's an opportunity here. Like I can like wedge myself into this thing where maybe I've got a 10% shot of making it and then Mm -hmm. trying to find a way to maximize it and make it work to your favor and like repeat, rinse and repeat, (laughs) you know, getting, you know, getting into Stanford, showing up, 
getting on the rock, you know, then playing and then excelling and then, you know, repeating that process on the various teams that you've been on. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. All right, so you you recover from this foot injury, right? And then you yep. know, then you're you know, then you're you're basically playing. Yeah. Um, so I come in and I'm playing my my second year, mm-hmm. and um, I mean it's not by any means smooth sailing from there. Um, I'm still an undersized <laughs> little white guy that doesn't you know have any business being out there, mm-hmm. <laughs> according to most people. So. And how does that work with like the teammates and the coaching staff? Like I'm really interested in, you know, the reality of what it is to be a professional athlete and NFL player versus the perception of what that might look like based on watching ballers on HBO <laughs> or something like that. Cause I think the average person has this idea. Oh, well, if you're playing, I mean, you're just rocking every mm-hmm. aspect of your life and you're driving a Ferrari and living in a man, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what is the day to day, like truth, uh, you know, of what it's like to walk a mile in your shoes as a guy who's like, yeah, you're playing, you're glad to be making it, but you're still, you know, watching your rear and worrying yeah. about your job week in week out yeah i mean the minute you get satisfied with where you're at you're in trouble like you're going to be gone um we're you know no matter who you are um maybe not andrew luck maybe not him <laughs> anybody everybody <laughs> not everybody everybody else <laughs> yeah um but yeah there's you know there's a maybe two three four guys on every team that have that security and um you know their lives look a little bit like ballers and they Mm -hmm. just kind of um have that luxury um and ever but even those guys like like even those guys even andrew like he you know you have to be hungry every day and Mm -hmm. you have to be a professional um and like it's a huge commitment like the time the time put in behind the scenes is is a lot yeah, so you would, I would think there's more than two or three. Like I would think, oh, there's probably 15 guys. You know, they're the guys. They can relax. I mean, they work hard or whatever, but they're not worried about getting cut. They're worried about getting injured, I'm sure. Um, I think they're even, I don't know. It seems like even those guys, like, you can be replaced. You can, you know, you can be traded. There's always kind of that, mm. a little bit of that, I think. What is, like, of all the movies that are out there or TV shows about, the NFL like mm-hmm. is there one out there that actually is accurate or best represents what it's really like um <clears throat> the the I mean Hard Knocks isn't really like it's more a reality show uh-huh. but right that's kind of a good peek into like what it's like because you can see those are really the guys yeah, yeah you can see the the guys at the bottom end that are fighting you know scratching and clawing for everything and you can see um, the top end guys that are, you know, more secure, but they're mm. still like working their butts off. They, maybe they just have different goals. It's not to make the team. It's to, you know, it's to get to the playoffs or it's to get to a pro bowl or whatever it is. But so when you meet people, I'm sure they just project an idea of who they think you are onto you because, because of what you do. Is there one thing that you would say, like, I wish they just understood, like, like they don't, if they could just get like this one thing about what it is actually like. Um, I mean, you kind of explained it already, but yeah, I mean, it's just, 
it's not what people think. Like it, I mean, it's, it's cool and it's awesome. Like I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, it's been a great experience and I mean, there's tons of perks for sure, but there's just a lot of, you know, there's a lot of other things going on just like, mm-hmm. just like with any other job. Um, and that's kind of what I tell people is like, it's a job. Like you have a job that you have to, you have to work really hard for. Um, so that's, that's what it is to us. Like we have to be professionals and right. What are, what are the cool perks? Um, I mean, there's the obvious <laughs> things, right. But like, what is something that like kind of that, that happens that's sort of cool that maybe you would have thought like, Oh, I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, the best thing is the schedule, like having several months off of just off time. Mm-hmm. Like you basically have all of February and March and half of April, um, on your own, like, Right. So, I, you know, I've done a bunch of traveling. You can't just like get fat and like, do, you know what I mean? No, like, probably not. not work probably out. not the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like be lazy and watch a bunch of TV. Yeah. I mean, you can do whatever you want. There's guys that, there's guys that do, you know, pretty close to that. Really? Not, yeah. I probably need, probably, there's probably some, uh, logic in that, in that you just, you're just killing your body so oh, hard. Yeah, like for you sure. gotta let it just, you gotta just go into a catatonic state and let it heal itself. For sure. Right? Um, yeah. And the guys that play a lot and really get really get beat up in the season um need some time off like literally not doing anything maybe stretching or yoga or um you know riding on a bike or something but right not you know everybody needs time off after the season it's just such a it's a brutal grind so mm-hmm. you, you need that time off all right so let's let's unpack the whole diet thing because uh, it's super interesting um you know, you're a plant-based athlete. You have been for a couple of years now, right? Mm-hmm. Like two years? Yeah. A little over yeah. two years, I think. Um, so two years plant-based, but I think this interest in performance and nutrition and trying to, you know, find that edge, you know, where is that, you know, little nook and cranny that I can exploit, you know, is something that's anchored in who you are. Um, and I know that, <clears throat> you know, Andrew Luck has said, you know, uh, Griff showed up at Stanford. I think when you were a freshman, you had, you know, you looked a little pudgy and you, mm-hmm. you weren't all like, <laughs> like now you're all super cut up and everything like that. But right. that wasn't always the case. He, right. He likes and to bring Andrew's that up. Like, I don't know if this guy's going to make it. You know what I mean? And he watched you evolve. Like he watched you, uh, come to the understanding of what it was going to take for you to, you know, play ball at Stanford, mm-hmm. get interested in nutrition, take it seriously. And actually, like implement it in a very methodical way. And that's of course evolved over the years. So, you know, where did that begin? Um, yeah, like just to step out even a little further, like the biggest thing I learned is that it takes more than just a ton of attention and focus in one area. Um, you know, those, to me, those things all, whether it's, having good time management skills or being able to set goals or being committed in the weight room or making it to class on time, like, or being a good, you know, friend or family member, whatever it is. I think all those things, um, just relate to each other so much. Cause it's, it's more about, um, you like doing your best at all those things and like really giving yourself the best chance at, um, at just improving, at proving it, improving at all those things and just being your best. Um, 
So for me, it was looking at what different things can I do? And obviously like spending a lot of time in the weight room and running and stuff like that was a big part of it. Um, but then I started to learn about nutrition and how important that was, you know, I growing up in Ohio, um, you know, my diet was <laughs> sugar right. and candy and you know, burgers, you know, just didn't know anything, didn't know anything about nutrition. And when you're that young, you're just trying to bulk up yeah. eating a ton of food. Yeah. And you know? when you're that young, like it doesn't make a huge difference, right. especially if you're, um, playing like four sports a year, like right. you just, you know, it doesn't matter to you. Um, so I started to kind of learn about it and buy into like, okay, nutrition's important and, um, learning the science behind it helped convince me like, I mean, just learning for basics, like this is what a carbohydrate is and this is what it does for your body. And okay, I need to eat, you know, this amount of those at this time and that kind of thing. Um, so in college starting to, um, you know, our strength coach took us through a lot of stuff and kind of introduced everybody to like nutrition and like start caring about it and eat, eat good foods. Um, so through college, trying to eat healthier and get better at it. Um, were you doing like meal plan all the way through or did you have like a place where you, were you cooking your own food? Um, I was doing meal plan until I think until my lat, my senior year. And then, um, and then I started cooking more and, um, cause we were in like kind of an apartment style dorm. Um, so we had like a kitchen and stuff and there wasn't a dining room over there. So, um, senior year started cooking more and then it wasn't until a couple years after that, that I was first sort of introduced to the whole plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. Um, and the first thing I saw was, um, the engine two documentary on Netflix, um, right. Forks over knives. Yeah. So watching Rip Esselstyn go around and take a couple families, go into their kitchen and throw almost everything away. Right, right. <laughs> um, and then take them to the store and listening to him talk about what the different things do for your body and why you should eat these. Um, and, and then follow, I followed that up with forks over knives and uh -huh. I was just like blown. Oh yeah. I was called, uh, I know what you're saying. So, yeah, that Rip movie was called, it's called like Kitchen, you know. Yeah, Engine Kitchen two, Emergency kitchen, or like that. Kitchen Rescue. Yeah, Kitchen Rescue. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and then I watched Forks Over Knives and was just totally blown away. Like, I was, I was just shocked I didn't know any of those things. Like, mm -hmm. there's so much information in there that is amazing that people don't know. Um, so, I was, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to do the... 28 day challenge from the engine two diet. So that was it. Like you watched the movie and you were like, I'm going to yeah. give it a go. It was, it happens. was in the off season. And, um, so what did, this is 2013. It was, uh, 2014. Yeah. Um, so it was in the off season in maybe March or something. How, how would you been eating prior to that? Like you've been focused on nutrition, you're studying nutrition, you're interested in it. Like mm -hmm. what were the books you were reading or what was your source of information that was informing what you were doing and how was that working for you? Um, it wasn't anything, you know, I had struggled to find anything that I really liked that I really felt like gave me a good foundation. It was more like kind of online blogs and like things like that of like what different people were eating and mm -hmm. like, um, 
I don't know. I kind of struggled to find a really something that I really believed in to follow like um, a cohesive yeah, program, but I was eating like a lot of just, um, chicken breast and fish, like grilled stuff like that. And then a bunch of salads, smoothies. Um, mm-hmm. so you weren't like hitting, you know, Burger King and no, I stopped you, doing you cleaned all that. Yeah. Stuff stopped doing fast food. And, yeah. And, and what's going on, you know, with your fellow players on the Colts, like you're, so you're eating salmon and chicken breast and all that. Like, at the, and, and what's the typical diet? It probably, I'm sure it varies, but yeah, like man. if you could generalize what the typical diet of the NFL player in your perspective, you'd is. be, you'd be amazed. Um, it is a huge range. Like there, there are guys that eat, um, you know, McDonald's and Popeye's for every meal right. and have a, have a soda with every meal and it like, and they're like freak athletes still it, uh-huh. it, like it really is crazy um and then there's guys who you know watch everything you know they're not weighing their food but they watch everything they eat and mm-hmm. think think about it and plan it out and stuff like that um but yeah the the range of just the scope of <laughs> different different diets guys follow is is pretty crazy yeah is that I would imagine like the linemen and those guys are eating, <laughs> they're eating a lot more than, you know, special teams guys. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but a lot of the linemen are really healthy eaters. Yeah. Um, even having to stay as big as they do. Um, the ones who eat healthy don't seem to have a problem mm-hmm. um, not eating the bad foods and keeping that weight on. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you have a pretty clean diet, right? You're, right. you're doing like what everybody would say. That's a pretty healthy approach. Mm-hmm. Sea forks over knives. All right. Off season. So kind of low risk, like off season 28. It's not like you're yeah. in the middle of, you know, the season where you know, that would have been tricky. I yeah. Would imagine. So. <clears throat> yeah. So, um, my, my ex-girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, we watched it together and she started doing it first, the 28 day challenge. And, um, like a week into it, she's just like bouncing off the walls. She feels so good. And that's when I was like, all right, I'm like, I definitely have to do this and mm-hmm. like start the next day. Um, and like the same thing, hap- like the same thing happened to me. Um, it is just such a change and like, I don't know what's what, if it's one specific part, like if it's the dairy or the meat more so, I don't know what it is, but a few days into it, just that energy level goes up. Um, you start to realize that you've been, you've had inflammation basically all over your body without even realizing it. And all of a sudden you just feel clear and light and you can move easier. Um, I remember running just felt, I felt so light and, mm-hmm. um, it's just so much easier to move around. So that convinced me. I, I did that um, and then went back for workouts and I did, I think I did like almost a month of basically the same diet. Like I wasn't, I was trying not to do the oils and added stuff too, uh-huh. but I added um, fish, like I was eating salmon and I did that for a few weeks and then through one, through just feeling how I felt before and then just through more research um, felt like I didn't need that. Like mm-hmm. my thought was, you know, just getting extra protein and the fish oils, you know, omega threes being so important for me. Um, 
but then I just, I cut that back out after, um, a few weeks. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you know, a couple observations. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, I had that same experience, like, you know, (laughs) a week into it and you're like feeling so good all of a sudden. And it's like this light bulb moment. You're like, Oh my God. You know, and I would imagine as a football player, Look, as an endurance athlete, you know, inflammation, combating inflammation is very important in terms of recovery and injury prevention and all of that stuff, but it's not a contact sport and it's not about, you know, bulking up and strength training and the kind of things that you do that are important, you know, agility, speed, strength, force, uh, and constantly bashing into people, you know, the inflammation issue is gigantic, Mm -hmm. right? And to discover a way of eating that suddenly is, is, you know, improving that that's a, you know that's that's anti-inflammatory is like a is like a magic bullet but i think it's very common also to go yeah but you know i'm in the nfl man like you know i gotta like you know like i gotta get a little bit of this stuff like i gotta get salmon and, and mm-hmm. omega-3 like I, I, of course that would occur to you right so it's interesting that you tried that and then said yeah i don't know if i need that like what was that decision like um I mean, I was fine. Like I was totally, did you con- feel different when you started eating salmon and then different when you stopped it again? Or was it that more of an imperceptible? Thing? No, I didn't notice a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, once I got to the point where I made that decision, like I felt good about it. And, um, you know, I had read up a little bit more on how much protein I thought I need and, on, um, omega threes and stuff like that. And I think I read something about, um, uh, Patrick Baboomian, Bubu- uh, yeah, you know, guys like that, um, which been on the podcast. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of showed me like, and David Carter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, David Carter, I didn't hear about until, uh, after that though. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like, I don't see how this is going to be an issue. I just, it feels so good. Like it's totally worth it to me to, um, feel like that. And I mean, uh, and the recovery, like, you know, athletes, like I hear you talk about the recovery all the time. And so do I, cause you just feel like it's crazy. You can do a crazy workout and come back the next day and do another one. It's, it's such a big difference. Yeah. And to be in the NFL, I mean, that's a huge thing. You're just getting beat up. at such a massive level every single day. And you know, anything that you can do to expedite your body's ability to bounce back yeah. is huge. Yeah. Right. So you're not dragging ass when you're coming into practice or yeah. you know, three days after a game. And even with injuries, like I feel like, um, you know, cause I'm still, I'm still going to get injuries. Like <laughs> I'm still playing football. Mm-hmm. So, but I feel like they, I can heal a lot quicker. Um, whatever, if it's a muscle strain or something, like I really feel like it gets better faster. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really cool to see. Yeah. One of the things I always say is, you know, people, people say, oh, well, uh, you know, do you think eating plant-based makes you a better athlete? And it's like, it's not, it's not that it makes you a better athlete, but there are certain things, advantages of eating that way that over time can help you perform, you know, more maximally by undermining, you know, your body's, uh, 
you know, the, by undermining the body's uh, receptivity to injury, you know, overtraining, mm-hmm. you know, recovering more quickly, all of these things. Like, you know, if your immune system is working optimally, then you're, you're less likely to get sick and miss practice and yeah. all of those kinds of things that all play into, uh, you know, maximizing your performance over the course of a season or a number of years. So it's not like it just makes you a better athlete, but it does improve certain aspects of what it means to perform as an athlete I think yeah that's the other thing I was going to say too is um you know I think I would sort of like most people get a little cold or get sick uh once or twice a year um and I have like in the two and a half years I've been doing this I haven't been sick at all like I haven't missed anything which yeah and you're and you're killing yourself yeah right that's interesting so all right so you kind of have this epiphany you do the salmon experiment. Uh, but the real test is, you know, when you go back to camp or you're hitting the weight room or you're doing, you know, sprint repeats, you know, what are the numbers looking like? Are you starting to think like, I wonder if this is going to work? Like there had to be, I mean, you had to have a lot of questions. Like you're kind of like a Guinea pig. Right. Um, yeah, I think one thing that benefited me was just having gone to Stanford and, um, just being a a little bit smarter guy. Like I think a lot of the staff and people that look at stuff like that and the nutritionists and stuff, um, just kind of gave me the benefit of the doubt that I had Mm. done some homework and, you know, they talked to me and like, I'm, you know, you you sure you're getting enough, uh, carbs before practice. So did you, when did you kind of declare this openly? Did you tell the coaching staff right away or, uh, well, I had to talk to, I don't know who I told, like, talked to first about it, but I had to talk to like the team chef, um, uh-huh. just making sure there was stuff I could eat and kind of going through that with him. Um, so I think it was mostly him and the like strength coach, nutritionist, that kind of thing. Um, but Are they cool about it. Were, were any of them like, come on, man, what are you doing? Um, not really like, you know, they weren't, jumping over the moon about it, but they weren't shutting it down or anything. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think the hard thing was just kind of learning what to eat and what to have them prepare and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, there, it wasn't a big deal. And then, but I also wasn't shouting out that I was doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, not because I was like in any way, shying away from it it was more so like i didn't want to start saying like oh i'm a vegan or plant-based or whatever having only done it for yeah, a um, few tricky. months and i didn't want to like yeah like if this, well, if you decided three months later you, it wasn't working for right. you or whatever you have like a legion of angry vegans right. chasing you down you know nobody wants that Well, because what happens is when somebody who's you know in the public spotlight decides they're going to do it like that's somebody that, you know, the community can champion and that's a good thing, but that has its inherent risks too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to get some time under my belt of, um, doing it, getting used to it, making sure it worked for me, um, before it started, you know, you know, kind of getting out there and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but it's not like there's 10 NFL athletes you could call and say, how did you do it? What should I avoid? What should I be looking to do? No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I literally, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, is there anybody else in the, I mean, David Carter who's not playing anymore. He's not in the NFL right now. I mean, is there anybody else then or now? Um, 
I don't know. I've heard of guys kind of dabbling with it on and off. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know of anybody who adheres to it full time. And I read something about Jarvis though. Yeah. So he, what's going on? Um, well, you know, we'll see. He, um, it's cool. Like, first of all, the dolphins have been awesome. Like, um, when I was a free agent, uh, this past year after my contract was up, I, I went down there and they, um, you know, I met with everybody and then they took me to a all, all plant vegan plant-based restaurant. Uh-huh. Um, which was cool just to see like how open they were about it. <clears throat> and it was kind of funny. I was there with two coaches, one of whom had been there and one of whom had never been anywhere like, <laughs> remotely <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. So he was kind of like looking at the menu and looking at us and like, you know, what do I order? <laughs> right, right. Like, is that burger? Is that, is that a burger? Or, and we're like, no, it's not, a, uh-huh. <laughs> it's not an actual burger. <laughs> Um, but it was cool. And like their nutritionist was totally stoked to just talk to me about what I'm eating and, um, how she can help. And the chef there is awesome about it. The whole, the whole organization. So, um, yeah, that was really cool. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. That's all right. I mean, (laughs) and for the record, we're going to get into for the listeners out there. Don't worry. I'm going to ask him exactly what he eats because I know everybody wants to know that. But I got to get through the story first. Um, so what happens when you start hitting it hard, right? Like in camp and you got to like perform. Like what is, you know, I'm sure you're looking at those numbers and thinking, you know, is this going to work? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I Maybe it comes back to my naivety again, but I wasn't like worried about More it. Worried I was just, yeah, I was pretty confident in it. And um, like I had never felt better. So I was just, I was just excited to, um, sort of have that extra advantage is what it felt like to me. Mm -hmm. And so how did it play out? Like when you're, you know, like the progression of your, you know, bench press or whatever those numbers are that you're looking at week Mm -hmm. in week out, like, are you getting better? Are you the same? Is it a little bit slower? Like I know you lost, you went from 195 to 190, right? So you lost a little weight. Yeah. So that had to be a little bit of a, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe that makes you faster. Like, no, I was, I was totally okay with that. Um, I, f- you know, I felt like 190 was a better weight for me, um, just for being faster, like you said, but yeah, I, so I lost that five pounds in the first month or two. Um, and then I haven't fluctuated at all since then. Um, but yeah, so in the off season when I'm lifting pretty heavy, um, I did see everything get better. You know, my weight went down, my body fat went way down. Um, but like squat and deadlift went up, bench mm-hmm. went up and like, um, the sprints and stuff, like we timed some, um, flying like twenties and thirties and stuff. And, um, I got a lot faster at those too, which at the time was like a big goal of mine to just try and find anything that'll help me get a little faster. So that's amazing for a stronger, you know, five pounds less, but stronger in the weight room yeah. and faster. Yeah. Yeah. So that had to be, you know, kind of an interesting moment with the coaching staff too. This is, we're talking about Indianapolis now, right? Yeah. Like, so they must be going, all right, well, this is working out. Yeah. Right. And so, but the guys must be giving you shit in the locker room. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what's that like? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, it's It's all like fun and games. Like it's all good. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, there's, there's pretty much constant, like 
poking fun at me and stuff and a lot of comments about um just finding some twigs and berries to eat or you know whatever um but it's been really cool and the you know a lot of really good conversations just at lunch you know i sit down with my plate and it's a natural just conversation starter like um they just kind of look over and so you know what's your deal with like what's your issue with dairy or like you know what why not fish or whatever it is mm. and it just starts a conversation what's wrong with a couple eggs yeah, yeah. and guys are genuinely interested so and how like, do you respond to that like how does it like let's play that conversation out like pretend i'm one of those guys uh-huh. and i'm like come on man like you gotta have a little salmon right like what do you do like why are you depriving yourself like you need your protein right <laughs> so for me i think um for one, I get plenty of protein just from the plants I'm eating. And I think it's a huge misconception about how much protein we actually need. Um, you know, I know before I started looking into all this, I would have guessed that maybe for what I was trying to do as an athlete, that maybe 50% of my calories should be protein. Whoa, 50. Yeah. Just kind of, you know, just not right. knowing anything. Yeah, like yeah. you think lean protein, like that's what I need. Um, so, and I think that's a big, I think that's a common misconception, just people thinking that along those lines. Um, so that's the first thing is like, you don't need as much protein as you might think. Um, not only that, when you're eating too much, your body can't, it's not, it's not bioavailable not absorbing it, yeah. it or processing it properly anyway. Right. Um, and it just ends up being fat on your body that you don't want anyway. Um, but yeah, so like if I'm, you know, if you're coming in from practice and you're making a protein smoothie with, you know, 25 grams of protein, and then you're eating a big fillet of fish with, you know, another 15 grams of protein, like that, you know, that's too much for your body. Like, um, so the, the one, that's the one thing is that like, just, you don't need it for the protein. Um, and then the whole fish industry, like kind of every industry is a little like wishy-washy, but fish too like um you know you don't know exactly where it's coming from you don't know what kind of toxins are in it or like what it was fed and and those kind of things um have been proven to mess you up long term um which some people have a harder time uh focusing on Mm -hmm. and worrying about but still like um to me like if i don't need to eat it and if i feel better eating something you know something else that's better for me it's obvious obvious decision so then without the salmon and without the fish oil where are you getting the omega-3s um i do a lot of like flaxseed i'll do that every day and smoothies and in my oatmeal and chia seeds um those are probably my Mm -hmm. biggest sources yeah get on the hemp seeds too man so man i oh you can't you probably can't does that does can't that do creates it. like a weird thing with uh yeah it's so bizarre i used to lo- like when i first got into it i was all about hemp seeds i was putting them on everything uh-huh smoothies like pouring them on my oatmeal i was like these are great <laughs> super high in protein yeah. high in omega-3s they're, they're like a perfect they're food. perfect and i was all about them and then i don't remember how i found out that hemp was on like the banned substance list for nfl and it's so crazy yeah it has no psychoactive i emailed the guy like you know this is kind of a big part of my diet and you know what's the issue with it and his response was something along the lines of um you know it just being related to cannabis or marijuana whatever like there's an off chance of if you ate a large amount of it 
there's an off chance you could test positive for something and mm. i don't know <clears throat> yeah i don't agree with it but testing <laughs> policies on that i don't know how all that stuff works but it is it, it, it does seem a little bit silly yeah all right so so walk me through a typical day in food um so almost every day i i do oatmeal for breakfast and i i've got like my recipe down that i like just love and i am like excited to get up and eat it every day um so i just oats i add um cinnamon and cacao powder i add chia seeds and flaxseed um goji berries raisins and some like maca powder mm-hmm. um and then i'll kind of so I'll use that and then like add the boiling water to the, you know, everything and sort of let it, I saw you do that on Snapchat. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yeah. You're rocking the Snapchat. Yeah. You um, know, so if people want to get down with what you're up to, man, yeah. you've been pretty diligent about sharing, you know, you live a really interesting life. Yeah. Know? So it's pretty cool. So the Snapchat is just Griff Whalen, right? Um, is Snapchat is G Whalen 17. Okay. G Whalen um, 17. But Twitter is just Griff Whalen and it's got my Snapchat on there right. so you can find it. Um, but side note, a classmate of mine invented Snapchat. Oh, really? Yeah. Evan Spiegel? Yeah. Oh, he's your classmate. We were in, we were in every class together. We were product, product design majors. Oh, you were product design. That's a really cool major. Oh yeah. Really cool. Um, you get to like make stuff. I remember like, like it was yesterday. Um, we had a class project and we got split up into like groups Uh and it didn't have anything to do with the product. It was more like create a business model for whatever you want just to kind of learn how to make a business model. And I was sitting next to him and I asked him like, do you know what you're going to do your project on? And he's like, yeah, I've got this idea for an app, um, where you can basically send a picture to one of your friends. And once they open it, it it'll just disappear after 10 seconds. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, you're like that's a dumb idea. I was like, all right, that's, that's <laughs> kind of cool. And <laughs> you know, good luck with that. That's cool. And, He's like, yeah, don't, don't tell anybody. Cause I actually want to make it. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Like go, go for it. Um, That's incredible. <laughs> so, That's amazing. So that was what, that was what? 2000. That was 2011, 10, I think. 2011. Um, and then he's, you know, by next year he had gotten somebody to help him code it and engineer it. And people on campus started using it. And like a month later, it was just kind of like everywhere. Oh, so was it sort of like Facebook where it kind of grew, you know, just at Stanford. Yeah. Organically. I don't know if it was intentional the way Facebook was. Um, but I mean, that's just where he could reach people. So that's right. where it started. Um, but I didn't, I mean, I didn't even make one until probably two years ago. I was, you, uh-huh. you know, I thought it was cool and that he, you know, was having success with it. But a couple of years ago, I finally decided to make one and it, and I mean, how great is it? Like it's, it's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Well, when they changed it, to add the stories function that yeah. changed everything. Yeah. You know, that, that made it like something. Oh, I didn't even. Because before that, it was sort of this weird skeezy thing. Like, oh, this is where you send, you know, naked oh, okay. pictures that I wasn't even on it before like, the story. No, I wasn't either. Like when it was stories and I was like, oh, wow, you can, it's almost like vlogging. Like you can yeah. literally just append these little clips yeah. and share them with everyone. I mean, I think that was a game changer. Yeah. But <clears throat> what's most impressive is how him and his team have continued to innovate, you know, yeah, like absolutely. they're not just, they're not just small iterations, you know, they're like making, they're really changing the game completely. It's yeah. super interesting. So was he a guy who 
you identify, like you could tell like, oh, this guy's some kind of crazy Mark Zuckerberg genius or is, was it, um, he's kind of like a, you know, like he, he's not like a nerdy computer science guy, right? Like no. he's kind of like a he's popular, more, handsome. He's like a savvier, like, yeah. I think he's from LA and like, yeah. um, kind of like businessy street smart kind of guy, really sharp, like, um, you know, outgoing guy. And like, you right. could tell like just from being in classes with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe the just kind of <laughs> meteoric rise of it. Though. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like saying no to the Facebook offer and all of that. Oh, and yeah. Can, and then just I, I couldn't believe when he did that. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. All right, well, that's super interesting. That was worth getting off track anyway, for. Anyway, yeah. Uh, back yeah. to... Back to the oatmeal. Oatmeal. Um, <laughs> so I'll, like, yeah, I'll add boiling water and kind of let it sit and sit for a minute. Um, and then put some almond butter or whatever nut butter on top of it. Um and and then a bunch of fruit whatever whatever i feel like that day um and that i mean that's it but i like i lo- like i'm like excited to eat it every day i just right. i love it um, so that's breakfast yeah and then you go train train um in the morning and then um, and when you're training like how are you hydrating like are you doing the the like the you know the powdered drinks and all that kind of stuff or is it water or is it coconut like well how do you um i've done some different things like one of the first things i did was um the vegas sport like electrolyte powder mm-hmm. um just because i would wanted to do that instead of gatorade because oh like all we have available to us is gatorade yeah it's got to be a lot of sugar water going um on. yeah and so I did that for a while and I like coconut water a lot. Um, I don't have that like, you know, ready and available at practice and stuff like that. But if I'm just training somewhere, like that's something I like to grab. Um, but I, I usually just do water. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a problem. Like I I'm not a guy who cramps up and like, mm. I don't have issues with that fortunately. So even, even in Miami right. <laughs> in the humidity, but um, usually water, um, post-workout or practice. I've got a shake that I usually make. Um, I'll do some bananas, some dates, some, a little bit of lemon juice and almond milk and some protein powder. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of, what kind of protein powder? Um, I've been through a few of those too. Uh, the Vegas sport one I liked a lot and I did one recently epic protein from I think it's sprout sprouted living or sprout living yeah I don't know that one um epic are they the same ones that make like the buffalo bar the epic bar no uh I don't think so yeah but a friend of mine sent that to me and I um I liked that one right now. You tried Marco stuff? Right now I'm using Marco's, yeah. It's good. I mean, because it's organic too, which is great. There aren't that many organic varieties out there, and that's a pretty high quality product. Yeah, he sold me on the the quality of it. He he was excited about just, you know, because they test it um, themselves and compare it to some other ones on the the market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's excited about how just quality, how much higher it is. And uh, You got to be careful about 
all that kind of stuff, right? Like yeah. drug testing and there's so much contamination. You go into mm-hmm. GNC and just buy whatever, like you don't know what that stuff is. Yeah, that's what I used to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure most guys on the team do that, right? Yeah, just, I think just so. Just hammering the whey protein and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it seems like the older guys get the less stuff they use just mm-hmm. because um, I guess you just become more aware of the, like the fact that you don't really know what's in it. Um, I also think I've heard this from many people, and this has been my experience, the older athletes, like the the athletes that are in the twilight of their career who are looking to squeeze a couple more years Mm -hmm. out of, you know, injury-free play. I mean, there's like, you know, it's like, it's a lot of money on the line, right? If I can get another year out of this, they're the ones who are going to be more interested and curious and open to trying something different and new. Mm -hmm. So... I would imagine like you, you got like the veteran guys might be the ones who might be coming to you when no one's looking and saying, Hey man, tell me what's this thing you're doing. Um, and you know, I've, for me, it's been everybody actually like, yeah. it hasn't been just older guys. Um, a lot of, a lot of the younger guys too. Um, just kind of curious about things and mm-hmm. like, I don't know if any of them are going to you know, if it's going to result in them making any changes, but right. But just asking questions yeah. about it in it from a genuine place. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So lunch, um, lunch, uh, it's been, it's been awesome down in Miami. They, um, like the food at the facility they've got there is like world-class. It's awesome. Where do you guys practice? Um, it's in Davie sort of by Fort Lauderdale. Oh, okay. And you're living in Fort Lauderdale, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, the food's all like fresh food, like a lot of organic stuff, um, a lot of local stuff. And, um, you know, the chef thinks it's cool to like have somebody on a different diet where he gets to experiment a little bit. So he'll make me some different right, stuff. Right, man. He gets yeah. to like play or do what he does instead yeah, of just exactly. making the same thing. Um, so there's like, there's always a salad bar and fruit bar um, and big smoothie station. And then there's... Um, it's not like, I kind of like how good of a rotation they have. It's not like there's grilled chicken breast every day and like pasta every day. There's, it's totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's usually a bunch of different vegetables, um, a couple different meat selections. Uh, and then there's like a little sandwich area too. Um, so I'll, I'll do that a lot too and just make you know, hummus, avocado, spinach wraps. And, mm-hmm. um, those are always easy. And have I you like ever those. tried to play around with gluten-free? Yeah. Um, I did. And I kind of noticed, um, a bit of a difference in the afternoon. I like, especially after lunch, I felt like I didn't get, um, as tired and I don't know. I sort of noticed that I sometimes would get that kind of lull in the afternoon and get a little tired after eating. Um, and I don't know, I did notice that that kind of go away. So I don't, I don't stick to being gluten-free. Um, I don't go out of my way to eat it, but I don't, I don't avoid it either. Yeah. It's tough. Uh, I feel like they figured out the gluten-free p- pastas, you know, pretty well. Like mm-hmm. there's some pretty tasty ones that, you know, I'm so used to it now that I don't notice the difference. Which but, ones do you do? Um, well, the brown rice ones are the ones that you can find easily at yeah. Whole Foods and things like that. But there's a company called, I'm forgetting it right now. It's called like, 
Asian foods or I'll think of it and I'll put the link in the show notes, but <clears throat> they make some varieties out of like mung beans and adzuki beans mm. and they're really good. Like they taste fantastic and they're essentially low carb, high protein and they're gluten-free. Have and you tried the uh, Tolerant brand? Like the, mm. they have red lentil pasta and black bean pasta. Oh, maybe I have that. Cause I've had, had, I have had black bean pasta. I know this, this one company that I'm thinking of makes it um, and, and red lentil. I don't know if I've had that. I might have, I, but I, I, I do that. They're about. actually good, right? Yeah. You don't th you think they're going to be horrible. No, they, they're actually good. No, they are good. The bread though. There's a long way to go to figure out gluten-free bread. Man, I'm <laughs> bread sorry, tough, but yeah. like, it's tough, right? Yeah. It's tough. I'm the same way. Like I'm not, you know, celiac or anything like that, but, right. but I know I feel better when I avoid it, but I'm not always perfect in that. So, all right. And then, uh, and then dinner. I mean, there's, it's a difference when you're, when you're the chef at the team is providing mm -hmm. for you versus when you're at home. Right? Yeah. So dinner is usually at home. Um, and I mean, I'll make, just rice and beans and avocado like all the time um, i could literally eat that every day yeah i mean <laughs> actually i do eat that <laughs> yeah um i do, I do I that i get sick of it i like it no, me too i do that a bunch um and then i'll just get like um an onion zucchini a squash a few different veggies and um sort of saute them and um one thing I like to do is just kind of cook those a little bit and then add some either lentils or quinoa to it and then just pasta sauce mm -hmm. and just do it without the pasta. And it, it's pretty good. It kind of, um, I don't know. It's kind of like a ratatouille ish like right. mixture, but, um, I like, I like doing that a lot too. And what do you do for snacks? Um, I do a lot of fruit and like throughout the day I do, uh, carrot, like carrots and hummus a lot. It's just like easy and something I like and, um, and grape leaves too, the mm -hmm. like Mediterranean food. Right. Um, my, like my stepdad is love, was Lebanese. So I you know, would do like grew up eating that. Oh, wow. Have you been to Lebanon? I have not. Yeah. That's got, it's I've been high on my list. Times. Really? It's cool. Yeah. yeah. You, you should go. And so like Detroit Toledo area is, has a big a lot of population. Yeah, yeah. Big population. Um, and the food there is really good. So mm -hmm. I grew up eating a lot of that and love grape leaves and hummus and that kind of stuff. Right. So uh, it's pretty basic, right? I think there's this yeah. idea that it's shrouded in mystery and that you're concocting crazy stuff that yeah. you know, people can't relate to. Yeah. But like you're like a bachelor. It does. Dude. It, you're it, not going to like it spend people hours out. <laughs> in your kitchen making dinner, right? Like you're hungry. Yeah. Right. So it's pretty simple, basic. Yeah. It, it freaks people out though. They're like, I don't, I don't know what to cook for you. Like, how, mm. what do I make you if you're coming over for dinner? And right. Like, um, well, it's new. It's different. It is different. You know? Yeah. Um, so two years of doing this, how has it evolved? Like what are some of the misconceptions or mistakes or kind of, you know, dark alleys that you ran down that now you've kind of learned and know better? Like how have you, how has it re been refined? Um, the biggest one for me is processed foods. I kind of like, I got into this into the season the first year I was doing it. And once the season starts, um, like zero free time, it's just like, you have no life basically for the rest mm -hmm. of the season. Um, and I started getting, um, a lot of the Amy's products, like just 
frozen f- dinners and right. soups yeah, and stuff and like and yeah like stuff like that um which is fine and like a lot of them are they're actually pretty good which is why i like kept getting them um but just not the right and all the gardens like all this stuff that's, yeah it, it's easy if you want to cook it quick and it tastes right. good like kind of vegany junk yeah. food type stuff but i started doing that like a little too much and you know maybe they're good in a pinch but just that level of being processed like isn't what i want to eat um just as far as like the nutritional value and stuff mm-hmm. like that so that that was one of the big things for me and like the and the bars like protein bars and yeah that was snack, the next next question you know like you know the protein bars the like what are the supplements that you know that you're currently using or not using and mm-hmm. like how has that evolved because that was definitely an evolution for me oh yeah me too um currently using um protein powder i'm using the 22 day nutrition one right now and um and some some vitamins like um a vitamin b complex and right, some your b12 calcium and like i take a few vitamins chlorella um and that's it right now right um and what was it like when you started when i started i was taking like a a pre-workout powder um you know i found a pretty clean one um without like at you know just a bunch of added question marks of just mm. stuff uh but it, you know i was like beta alanine and creatine and um you know i don't know a handful of other things so i do like a pre-workout um a protein i do protein bars a lot um and even like some of those pro bar meat like meal things right um and so i did i did some of that stuff but and those things are just like straight sugar and like i don't know yeah um i'll do i mean do you feel like they were helping you or did you like why did you finally why did you wean yourself off of that um yeah like i felt like the more um processed foods i eat like my body fat goes up and Mm -hmm. like it doesn't skyrocket or anything but for me like just at my position in my job like it's it's an important thing like i want to be as low as i can um just because it's just strength to weight ratio be as light as you can as strong Mm -hmm. as you can so you can uh so i can be as fast as i can um and yeah i would see it like go up a little bit the more of those kind of things i right so you just dumped it yeah and did you notice any performance difference i mean your your body weight no I mean, uh, body fat went down. Yeah. Body fat went down. Like the pre-workout, like you notice a difference. Cause if you stop doing that, you like, well, if you stop eating creatine, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a size differential. Right. And the, I mean, cause that works. Right. And the caffeine, like if you stop doing that, cause I don't know, a lot of those are like 300 milligrams, like right before you work mm-hmm. out. Um, so if you stop doing that, you feel a difference, but, um, I don't know. There's like, maybe an adjustment period of a few weeks or I don't even know how long it is, but like now I don't like, I feel great when I work out without Mm -hmm. anything. And so, uh, fast forward from your initial 
kind of improvements in strength and speed uh, that you noticed in Indianapolis, like what do those numbers look like now? Like, did it plateau out? Are you still getting stronger and faster? Are you kind of where you were then? Or how's it working? Because you're two years in, it's not like, you know, a big, a big thing that people will say is, well, you're just, you're just, uh, you know, building off of all this strength and speed mm -hmm. that you had when you were eating a different way, mm -hmm. right? Um, but you're two years into this. Yeah. So um, what is your, you know, how do you talk about that? Yeah, I got, I've gotten a little bit, um, a little bit stronger and a little bit faster, um, which is like small gains in either of those areas is a lot. Like once you get to a certain point, mm -hmm. um, so I'm like really happy with that. But over the past two years, like even though I've only gotten a little bit stronger, um, my body has still changed a lot. Um, like I can just tell if I see a picture of myself, like I look different and like I had to um, like get different size pants and like clothes mm -hmm. and stuff. Like just leaner you mean? Yeah. Um, especially in my legs. Um, like, I can fit into like some more normal size pants now with skinny jeans. <laughs> <laughs> like that was a, that was a serious yeah. issue for me before. Like, cause I'm a 32 waist, but I couldn't like, I couldn't Your wear any thighs. 32. Right. Yeah. Um, so now I can wear some normal clothes, like uh -huh. right out of the store, which is nice, <laughs> but I've noticed that change. Right. And so heading into this season, you just finished this like mini camp, right? Summer, summer, uh, what is it? Preseason camp mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. OTAs. <clears throat> How's it looking? Like, are you healthy? How do you feel? What are the coaches telling you? Like you're going to have to hit it hard, right. To earn this spot, but yeah. are all pistons firing? Yeah, no, I like, I feel the best I've ever felt. Um, I'm actually really excited about this year too. Like, um, you know, I'll, I think I'll make the team. I'm not, not too worried about it. Um, and part of that just comes from like having some experience and like being able to not worry about it and just focus on like mm -hmm. my day-to-day -day stuff. Um, but yeah, I, th I mean, I think I'll be on the team and be a big contributor. Um, like, I think it's as good of a situation as I've been in and I feel as good as I've ever felt. So, right. Except, yeah. It's exciting, man. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and, and talk about, um, the importance of, of coaches, you know, you had the good fortune of playing under Harbaugh, mm -hmm. you know, legendary coach. And I'm interested in what your experience was like playing underneath him, you know, and what distinguishes him or what makes him special and what your experience has been with the coaches that you've had, you know, prior and subsequent to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been extremely lucky with my coaches throughout my life, I guess. Um, I've heard a lot of horror stories about guys with um, different coaches that are just um, nightmares for them. But um, yeah, I mean, start starting in high school, like I, had a, I loved my coach in high school, Coach Mazes, and he did a lot um, sort of preparing me for everything, I think. Um, you know, he's a pretty powerful motivational speaker and was mm -hmm. good at, you know, I totally, bought into everything he said and got sort of learned that mindset of just giving everything and doing everything they say and buying in. And so like uh coach Taylor from Friday night lights yeah, vibe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Right. So like like positive, but also tough love. Yeah. Kind of exactly. philosophy. Um, and starting there, and then yeah, Coach Harwell like is he's a gifted coach. Like he's a he's a a different person. You know, he's he's a character for sure. Like um, he's just got this intensity about him. Like he can be like if you don't know him, he can be hard to kind of just walk up and talk to. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like he's just an intense person. Um, but as a coach, he, he has a real talent for getting everything out of his players. Like Mm -hmm. he will, you know, he will rip guys to shreds, like in front of everybody and you don't want to be that guy. So you're going to, you know, you're going to be on time. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to give everything you have. Like he, he just has that ability turning boys into men yeah and has there been i mean did you go to one of those high schools that was kind of one of those programs that were you know was putting a lot of guys into college programs i mean have there been guys that go on and play in the nfl underneath him or Um, are you a standout in that regard not a lot from high school like um you know as a public school just kind of average size um and we've had i think I think there's been one other player in the NFL, um, maybe, or no, there's a, there's been two now, another guy, a couple years younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there was, there was somebody else. Um, and then, um, guys go and play for a big college, like maybe right. once every couple of years, there's somebody that makes it, um, to a big program. And what was Harbaugh like? Um, I, you know, <laughs> it seems like as a player, you either love him or hate him. Uh-huh. And I loved him. Like, I thought he was just fun to play for. Um, and I mean, he's a, he's a good coach. Like if you're, if you can take like a little bit of that and like ha- you have some thick skin, like he's a fun coach to play for and you're going to hard ass. You're going to win a lot he's of games. Ride you. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to have some thick skin for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know, was he like, I'm trying to get at, you know, who your mentors have been. I mean, I was, I'm presuming that they were your football coaches, but maybe they were other people in your life. Like who have been the formative influences, you know, positive influences and, you know, helping craft your character. Um, no, those, those coaches definitely were, um, a big one was our strength coach at Stanford. Um, Shannon Turley, he, I think he's the best strength coach in the country like Mm -hmm. um i mean he's awesome like he 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 had a big role you know we talked about andrew earlier he had a big role in turning that program around right he because there's rules about when the coaches can be with players in the off season um in college i didn't know that yeah and like how they how much stuff they can do like so they spend a lot of time with the strength coaches and i mean he's the guy that really forms you know those high school kids coming in the freshmen into like stanford men and like football players Mm -hmm. and he you know he does it in the weight room and stuff but he really does it mentally he he's the same kind of way where he'll he'll you know chew guys out like about anything and he's the one who teaches everybody like what it means to be detailed and that if you, you know, if you're running sprints and you miss the line by half a centimeter, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like, he just has this ability to, 
especially young guys when they come in, he just gets in their heads and he's a little like, you know, brain ninja that we call him that can just totally turn them upside down and sort of rebuild them from the ground up. Uh-huh. Um, and he's somebody that almost everybody hates their first like year or two there. And then you just kind of realize like, wow, this guy changed my life. And mm-hmm. I mean, now we're like really close friends as he is with a lot of the older guys that mm-hmm. have graduated. Um, the trick is getting the athlete to take personal responsibility for that though, rather than like, Ugh, he's making, he's riding me, you know, you're doing it for right. him. It's the shift of doing it because he's telling me to do it to I'm doing this because I want to be the best. Yeah. And, and this is what I have to do to do that. Yeah. So he was the one that like, showed all of us and showed me that like what it means to be detailed about everything. I mean, if the, you know, if you're looking at your piece of paper with your, you know, workout for the day on it and you forgot to write in the weight for something you did, or you forgot to check a box, um, you know, like you're not, you're not done with your lift. He's going to like, he's going to chew you out for a minute about why didn't you fill this out and like, you know, read through your whole card. Um, but that taught me a lot about just having that mindset. Right. And I think that allowed me to apply that to other parts of my life. And how have, how have the coaches sort of measured up at the Colts and, and the Dolphins? Like I, I wish everybody's got their own style and yeah. all of that. Um, but, you know, stepping into a massive organization where, you know, the coach is responsible for hundreds of people. Yeah. Like I said, I've been, I mean, I've just been so lucky. Um, so I got to Indy and we had, um, Chuck Pagano there and it was all of our first years there. The, like the GM, uh, Chuck Pagano, the head coach and a lot of the, a lot of new players too. Um, so he was kind of learning on the fly, right? Clean slate. Um, but like what an outstanding coach and, um, even better human being. Like he's just an awesome person. Um, you know, he can relate to everybody and like genuinely cares about everybody and ha- goes out of his way to have conversations and talk to your mom and talk to your family and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, he's a great guy. And then, and then in Miami, another, another first year coach, another first time head coach, Adam Gase, um, has been awesome to work with so far. And he, it's cool. Like he's an offensive minded guy, which is fun for me. Like he, he has a really, um, conducive offense for my skill set, and it's up tempo, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but he also same thing. Like he's a just a real person who cares about his players, and like as an example, we've had several um, retired players that played for him come down to Miami for a few days or for a week or whatever, mm-hmm. and just hang out and like chime in with advice and you know because they were in whether they were in the same offense with him or whatever it was um that speaks volumes yeah about the, about, like you don't see that everywhere. yeah because yeah if the players didn't like them they would never do that yeah yeah um but yeah and and they think the world of him and um most of them are older and they've played for a bunch of coaches and that's where they chose to right to come help out so you're a lucky man. Yeah. <laughs> what are some of the books that, that have been really influential in how you approach your life, your career? 
Um, oh, I thought you were going to say diet. <laughs> diet. Well, it can be diet. I mean, that's a big part of it, right? Um, you know? Yeah. Whatever, I'm, just what's on your mind. I'm not trying to grill you. One of my, like the Thrive, Brent, Brendan Brazier's book. book yeah. yeah. That one was awesome for me as far as what to eat. Cause like you said, I didn't have anybody else, like any other NFL players mm-hmm. to ask, like, you know, how do you do a plant-based diet? So that was finally a little bit more of, um, a little bit more detailed, like mm-hmm. how maybe how much of this you should eat or how much of that and when, when you should eat it. Cause those are kind of the things that I was missing and curious about. Um, but that was really good to finally have some. Yeah. I mean, that's a great book. Brendan breaks it down, you know, in a very easy to understand and practical way. Like this is how you do it. You know, yeah. it's like a manual of like, okay, I'm an athlete and I want to try this plant-based thing out. Uh, but I have all kinds of questions and he basically walks you through it and gives you a manual for yeah. how to do it. I mean, it's really helpful in that, yeah. in that way. Um, a couple more, like the, I think it's called, finding superman maybe mm-hmm. um it has to do with like getting in that flow state oh stephen kotler yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and is that what it's called uh it's becoming superman yeah Su- i don't know exactly i know what you mean though so like yeah, he talks a lot about state. extreme athletes and like getting into that flow state um and i hadn't like that was kind of my first time hearing about that and being able to relate to it like do you uh, have uh i mean do you have a meditation practice is that part of mm-hmm. you do Cool. Yeah. What I've does been, that look like? Um, I'm kind of new to it. I've been using um, an app called Headspace mm-hmm. and getting into that. And also... Did you listen to my podcast with Andy? No. I had Andy on. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, back in the archives. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Um, so in Miami, we, we've got a um, like sp- sports psychologist, I guess you'd call him. Mm-hmm. Um helping out and that's the first experience i've had talking to any type of figure like that like therapist psychologist anything and that totally like changed a lot like my mindset a lot for me um and a lot of what he was teaching was sort of restructured meditation techniques um sort of diaphragmatic breathing and visualization and things like that mm-hmm. um but just the structure he has is really cool and i i'm really excited to do more of it and get better at it and i think it's gonna help me a lot i think the mental side of it especially once you reach a certain point of developing like physically and stuff which i kind of have like mentally that's huge that's that's the final frontier right absolutely your shit together up top man that's gonna make all the difference so talking to him has made a big difference for me um do you know meditating uh, do you know michael gervais He's the guy who works with the Seahawks. No. Oh, I've heard of him. Yeah. 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 I, th- I heard your podcast. Yeah, with him. yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's doing amazing work. In yeah. That field. So that's what we have is we have right. a guy like that. Right. And, um, so between that and like getting into meditation, um, and it's hard for me, like, you know, there's, everyone thinks they're the outlier and that it's hard. It's hard for me. Like you don't understand. It's hard for me, dude. It's hard for everybody. You there's, know, there's the one I've been doing like a, Um, there's different, like in the app, there's different packages or whatever. And Mm -hmm. doing this one about focus and you kind of go through different parts of your body. Like you go from your feet to your stomach to whatever. 
and you just go back and forth across these points. I've done that one. And yeah, so the first, I don't know, like eight times I did it, I couldn't go up and down through my body twice before I'm like off thinking about something else. Well, of course, because you're a human being, Yeah, you know, it's not about that not happening. It's just about getting better slowly. <laughs> yeah. And then like a minute and a half re- later, you realize like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to like, I know. <laughs> what am I, th- I'm somewhere else. Then, right they, <laughs> then there's the opportunity for not judging yourself for that. Right. right. So every little thing that comes up is just another little mini exercise within the meditation. Yeah. And for me, like I learned, I kind of realized that yoga has been my way of meditating for a lot for a long time without even knowing it um and again back to um shannon turley at stanford Mm -hmm. he had everybody start doing some yoga and like you know i don't think he was really doing it for mental purposes i think it was more like just functional movement and flexibility um but it just works that way anyway. But that's how I got into it. And yeah. then I started doing it on my own and all the time. Um, and the more you do it and like doing it in like real classes and stuff, you start to realize it's not about, or like it's about different things. It's not just stretching. Like, cause that's why I was doing it. Like I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get more flexible. Yeah. I mean, it works on all those levels. Like that's the entry point level. Like I wish I was, I wish I had been doing yoga consistently when I was swimming. Mm -hmm. I think it would have made me way better at what I was doing. Um, but the real point of yoga, the purpose of yoga is to take you through the, the, all of the asanas, all of the poses, all of the physical exertion and the balance and Mm -hmm. all of that is to get your mind to turn off. It's the same thing in meditation. Yeah. Like you're doing, the, it's an exercise to get you to that still point so that when you're done and you're in Shavasana or laying down for the meditation part, you're primed for it. And that's like where the work yeah. is, you know, and that's where the, the most gain and benefit is realized. Right. So when we're doing it, you know, as a football team in college, you know, we're. That's amazing. We're, we're doing that as a team. I can't imagine there are yeah. that many college teams doing yoga as a team. But we're, you know, these stiff guys that are holding their breath, trying to do something. And then finally down the road, I'm doing some classes and uh, listening to the, you know, the instructor and starting to pay more attention to breathing. And that's when I started to really sort of realize the full potential of it. Mm -hmm. But you're a tinkerer, man. Yeah. You're, you're a product desi- <laughs> you're a product designer of yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a but good I way love of it. I appreciate that. You know, it's like you're not afraid to try these new things. Like mm-hmm. that, I mean, listen, you know, I think it takes a huge amount of courage. It takes, you know, brass balls to be in the NFL and like break rank and do something completely different than everyone's doing. The risk is so high, right? It's just easy to just, well, if, as long as I'm eating the way everyone else is eating, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can't begrudge me of that. Right. Yeah. But to say, I'm going to do this thing that not only is it different, there's going to be a lot of people telling me I'm crazy or it's the wrong thing to do and to do it anyway, when, you know, literally your career is on the line. Like that's, that's not a small thing, you know, so it's pretty cool that you've stuck with it and that you're, you know, realizing gains and, and that the inquiry, um, doesn't end there. Mm-hmm. Like it continues. It's like, okay, what can I do mentally? What can oh, I do for sure, in terms yeah. of my mindfulness? What can I do? You know, how can I, I'm, I'm sure you've looked at sleep, you know, all these sorts of things yep. that are kind of obvious and yet completely underappreciated and under addressed mm-hmm. with athletes. Yeah. And that is like, in that culture, it is a tough thing to do, like make a 
change like that. Um, but I think it was a little easier for me just being in the, such an underdog like role that I was. And mm-hmm. is that made, did that make you feel like, well, I don't have anything to lose. Well, I've got it like... made me feel like I want to look for everything I can look for to give me an edge. Like if I can, you know, if I learn more about sleep and if I can sleep better than everybody else and be that much better and then add that with having that much better of a diet and then add that with, you know, whatever else. Um, that's kind of where I was just Mm -hmm. looking for like everything I can do because like, you know, I know where I want to get to and like, I'm not going to get there if I don't do everything I can. Right. So for the person who's listening out there, who maybe has a goal, maybe it's athletic, maybe it's professional, whatever it is, you know, what kind of advice what's the kind of advice that you give? I mean, you're, you're a scrapper, right? Like, yeah. you know, I would imagine your advice is something like, you gotta do the work, man. Like yeah. stop messing around. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll share this email with you and, um, I might like post it to my website too. I think just for people to look at, but cause that's kind of the question I answered. Um, but I think it's about like, I talk about for me, it was just, outworking everybody. Um, but not like just at football, not just in the weight room, you know, that, that'll get you stronger and faster, which is great, but outworking them at everything, like investing in yourself. So putting in the time to learn about how to like, how to actually set goals in a structure that is going to work and have a real outcome. Um, how to manage your time better, how to sleep better. Um, just any way that you that might help you like look at all those different ways and learn about it so that you can invest in yourself and, um, and just work at it and, you know, do as much as you can in each of those areas. And that's what I was, you know, I've been trying to do and I'm still trying to do every day is just you know, do those, you know, I'm trying to do those things better than everybody else, at least in my jobs, because mm-hmm. it's a competition every day, you know? So, yeah, of course. I mean, it's not, you know, everything you just said is it's basic stuff. Right. And there's this, this gap between kind of intellectually understanding that and the actual practice of it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I know I should look at how I'm using my time. You know, yeah. I probably shouldn't be on Facebook for two right. hours or whatever, but people just really struggle with, changing those habits and it's a lot easier to say like (laughs) i'm sitting here saying this and it sounds like you know all i do is you know you're a machine yeah (laughs) that's not the case like (laughs) you know it's easy to sit here and say that like there are days where i wish i had gotten a lot more done or um you know i'm just like everybody else wish you know wishing i had been better at that or whatever but um at least having those having an idea of those things and like Mm -hmm. Um, sort of pursuing that goal of improving in those. So what do you, like when you, when you wake up on one of those days where you just don't feel like it, like how, you know, what are some of the tools that you use to, you know, get yourself motivated or up out of bed and after it? Um, well doing, like I do the meditation and yoga almost every morning Mm -hmm. and that, I think that does a lot as far as you, are just in a good mental space and you you're a lot more prepared to go out and attack your day um and so that was kind of a kind of cool story was um 
So our sports psychologist with the Dolphins, um, Rick Perea, one of the first times I met him, I was getting ready for practice. This was just a few weeks ago. And I'm in the weight room trying to warm up and, um, you know, activating muscles is like, for those who don't know, like, um, if certain muscles, like sometimes they're not working quite right. And that's how you strain a different muscle. It sort of, it like compensates for it. Like Mm -hmm. if your glute muscles aren't firing the way they're supposed to, like that's how you're going to hurt a hamstring or something like that. So getting everything, um, warmed up and working the right way is important before practice. So I'm in there doing that. Um, just trying to get ready. And he's a like totally outspoken outgoing guy, right? Just has no filter, has no like shyness or like Uh embarrassment about anything. Um, so he's just walking around kind of like yelling at guys like, what's up, what's up, man. And like, you know, he'll start freestyling and rapping in front of you and just kind of (laughs) like, yeah, does his own thing. Um, and so he like looks over, you know, he comes over to me and he's like, how's it going? He like getting it, you know, getting your body activated. And I'm like, yep. You know, and I had just finished. I'm like, yep, I'm all ready. So I, and I'm like starting to walk out and he's like, what about your mind? You get your mind activated. And I kind of like stopped and I was like, um, I don't know. Like, what does that mean? It's like, did you like, you got to get your mind activated. Like, you know, that's just as important as your body. You can't go out and practice if you're not mentally in the right space. Um, so that was like the first conversation I even had with him. Did like, didn't know anything about him. Um, and so he like took me through a little like 30 second, if that just kind of like a little visualization. Yeah. It was just kind of like, I mean, it wasn't even that he was just like, all right, repeat after me. Like, I love my life. I love my family. Uh I love playing football for the Miami doll. You know, just Uh like it took like 10 seconds and he's like, all right, now you're ready to go. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, all right. But, um, you know, I don't know as soon as I got in the field, I don't know that I was paying attention to it anymore, but afterwards I was thinking about it and like, I had never even thought about mentally, like sort of preparing like that, um, or like mentally activating my brain Mm -hmm. for a practice or a workout. Um, but it's cool, right? It's like, it's just as important as anything else. Right. So have you made that a habit? Yeah. And, and what are the other kind of techniques that he has you guys doing? Um, I don't know. I think it's a little different for everybody. Um, just based on his, his interactions with them. And, um, but I do like some breathing stuff and some visualization, um, in the morning and at night. And he, is there like a technique to the breathe? Like what kind of breathing technique? It's like with just diaphragm, like, Mm -hmm. um, so isolating it just to your diaphragm, um, which gets like 30% more oxygen to your brain and just wakes, you know, wakes everything up and gets you in a good mental place to, to do everything. And he demonstrated it for me, like the breathing and then the visualization. And he was talking out loud while he was doing it. And it was pretty powerful. Like Mm. he, you know, he was in a game, you know, a football game in the middle of the third quarter about to sack the court, you know, went like talk, super detail talking. Yeah. Crazy detail. And like, um, and then he like had me, had me do my own, like back to him. And it was, it was really cool. Like, so that's something I do the breathing and that, um, in the morning and so at just night. like visual, like taking a scenario and visualizing a positive result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be football. It can be 
right whatever like mm-hmm. maybe i just want to have a productive day and like i'm gonna you know get all these errands done or get this built or whatever you know whatever it is right um get this built are you product designing some stuff <laughs> product right <now>? designing. <laughs> I don't know, like a bookshelf or <laughs> no, I don't right. know. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, we got to wrap it up here in a little bit, but I, one of the final things I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, the cat's out of the bag. Now you're a public figure in the, you know, vegan plant-based community mm-hmm. as a, as an athlete. And, you know, the articles are kind of coming out and people know, you know, that you're this guy now. Um, and that's kind of a new, you know, th- relatively new kind of thing for you. Yeah. Sure. So, you know, how do you, you know, how do you carry that? Like, how do you, you know, what is your perspective on sort of for better or worse, you know, becoming an ambassador of, of like a movement? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is new. And just even being, um, sort of open to the public is new. Like I didn't have, I've never had a Facebook. I didn't have a Twitter mm-hmm. until a couple of years ago. I didn't, you know, Snapchat, same thing. Um, I'm just now kind of getting a, Instagram and my website going. Um, so I've always just been kind of like private and like, you know, I don't want to have my life open to everybody to view. Um, but that's also another, that's an interesting subject in and of itself, mm -hmm. right? You being kind of a private person and yet in this age of, you know, social media and, and your profession being yourself as the product, Mm -hmm. you have to be your own sort of CEO and marketing, you know, officer because you're public profile yeah. actually informs your career. And I don't, so there is some, there's a ration you sort of have to do it. Right. Yeah. But I don't know that I would have, um, if it weren't for like this stuff, like the vegan stuff, just because it's something that I really care about. And, um, like a lot, a big part of me feels, I don't know what the word is, but kind of upset that, you know, I went, 18, 20 years of my life without knowing any of this stuff, like, um, especially a lot of the health stuff with heart disease and cancer and things like that. Like, um, like why didn't I know that? Like, why don't Mm -hmm. people know that? And, um, so yeah, like it's, that's something I want to like tell people about. And that's something that makes me want to like, you know, okay, I'll, you know, you can watch me on, Snapchat, you know, and follow me every day and, um, just kind of spreading that information to people is something that, uh, is important mm-hmm. to me. Right. Interesting. So you're cool with kind of flying the flag a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how has, you know, your entry point into this much like myself was health. Like, you know, I want to feel better. Right. I want to perform better. But, you know, as you walk this path, you know, your, you know, your, your, your vision kind of becomes expanded in other areas. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, how has this impacted your perspective on, you know, issues related to environmentalism and, you know, the ethical implications of animal agriculture and all of that? Yeah. I mean, the same way, like when you, for me, eating this diet and feeling better than I ever have. Um, it like, to me, it's like the best way to eat. Right. So then you start to look at, okay, why do we, why do we have to like keep all these animals in these conditions and like kill them in that way? If we, if we don't need to, why do we need to tear down all the rainforests and outfish all the oceans if we don't actually need to? 
it's like impossible to not sort of come to those conclusions and be mm -hmm. like, we don't like, you know, you don't need, <laughs> we don't need to do any of those things. Um, so yeah, I, you know, that's like, like you said, I got into it totally for health reasons and performance, but, and I haven't become like outspoken about animal rights, um, or the environment, but it's definitely something I like feel and agree with. Like, um, the, the, um, environment documentary, Cowspiracy, Cowspiracy. Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how you watch that and don't at least rethink some things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, especially when you add those three sort of pillars together, like the health aspect, the environment and the like animal rights, it's just over like overwhelming yeah, it's to like me. this trifecta. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been, you know, my experience and that journey continues to, you know, evolve and grow, but I think it's really cool that, um, you're in this place now where you want to talk about it and you mm -hmm. want to be an advocate. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Um, you should, man, you should, uh, you know, it's, it, it's like, look, you know, I'm just, I'm a skinny runner guy, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> and I can carry a certain vibration and level of influence, but it's very different. And I've said this before, whenever I have, you know, athletes of, of your caliber on the show, it's very different. Um, when you're a guy who makes his living off of being as strong and as fast and as agile and as forceful, you know, your, your whole career is built on brute force and strength and speed. Yeah. These are very masculine ideals and playing in the NFL carries a certain, um, you know, cachet that, that allows you to, you know, get a podium and have people listen to you. And, and the fact that you're taking that seriously and, and grabbing that opportunity and saying, I can use this for good. Mm -hmm. Let me talk about these things is a really cool thing. Yeah. And one of the things, um, I'm working on now is, um, I want to start finding like just visiting, um, like younger kids, like high schools and stuff. Um, and talking to either their sports teams or just the student body as a whole, just kind of about my experience and mm -hmm. some of the things I've learned. Um, <clears throat> but that's something I'm working on is reaching out to that younger crowd. And, um, yeah. So if anybody out there <laughs> wants to bring me to their high school, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just did touch. that with Colin O'Brady. I was like any principals out there or PE teacher, you know, whatever, yeah. like get in touch with you, man. Yeah. yeah, you should. That would be great. That'd be really cool. I mean, the students would be so stoked. Yeah. I mean, just uh, even if you did it around Miami initially, you right. know, just in your own local community, I've, there's gotta be tons of opportunity for that. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, if, uh, if, uh, people are tuning in and they have no idea who I am and they're only listening because they're dolphins fans or Colts <laughs> fans <laughs> wanting to hear Griff talk and this whole like plant-based thing is blowing their mind, uh, you know, a good place to start as Griff said is, uh, the documentary forks over knives, the documentary cowspiracy. What are some of the other resources that you kind of refer people to who want to dip their toe in this? The, I mean, the Thrive book is great. Thrive, um, right. uh, Food Matters. Mm -hmm. that's a, I think that's on Netflix too. Food Matters is on Netflix. Food Inc. I mean, there's a whole, you know. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Series um, of related types of documentaries. I mean, they can just hop on your website and 
look at yeah blogs i'll put, and I'll put a, and, in the show notes i'll put a like kind of a you know a bunch of links for yeah. people in case people are new and they're just you know like i said they're they're tuning into this show for the first time because yeah. of you which would be really cool yeah. so all right man i think we did it all right did how it. do you feel good it was good right yeah have you done a podcast before no first podcast first one awesome dude <laughs> yeah i love it uh, no, it was great. Uh, really inspiring. And, um, and you know, what you're doing is important and it's cool. And I can't wait to see, uh, you know, how the season unfolds for you, man. I'll be tuning in, uh, for sure. And watching with uh, keen interest. Cool. And I'm going to be down in Miami in November. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah Come to a that, game for that seed thing. If there's a game around, I'd love to. Nice. Yeah, for sure. So we're coming to, uh, we're coming to LA this year too. Oh, you are. Yeah. All right. Well, I definitely want to definitely want to go yeah. check that out. Then gotcha. Too. Cool. Um, all right. So if you're digging on Griff, the best way to connect with him, I would say Snapchat right now. That's where, that's where your game's happening. Yeah. Right? Twitter and Snapchat. <laughs> yeah. either one. Uh, so G Whalen 17 on Snapchat, Griff Whalen on Twitter, the website, Griff mm-hmm. Yeah. All those good places. And, uh, thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Thanks for this having me. Great. Cool. Come back. Uh, and we can talk more later. Yeah. Love cool. to. All right. Peace. Plants. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that. He's a good guy, right? Hopefully Griff has given you more than a few things to think about, uh, particularly when it comes to performance nutrition, uh, the power of work ethic, and of course, the primacy of self-belief. I'm definitely inspired by his example, and of course, I hope you guys are as well. Uh, again, give him a shout out on Twitter, at Griff Whalen, G-R-I-F-F-W-H-A-L-E-N, and uh, let him know you're rooting for him. If you enjoyed the show and you want to support it, there's a couple simple free ways to do just that. The first thing is you can share the show on social media like Facebook and Twitter. It sounds obvious, sounds kind of silly, but it's actually really important in helping the show reach new people. Super grateful when you guys do that. Second, give the show a rating and a review on iTunes. That really helps us out with the algorithm and boosts visibility. And finally, making a habit of always clicking through the Amazon banner ad at richroll.com for all your Amazon purchases is very helpful. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but Amazon commissions us and it's a huge help. So that's it. Uh, I appreciate it. Also, again, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter. In addition to the weekly podcast updates that I've always been sending out, I just launched this new weekly email that I'm calling Roll Call. I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but it has a ring to it as well, I think. Don't you think? In any event, it's a short weekly blast of instructive recommendations and resources, just a few things that I've discovered, enjoyed, and found helpful. And it's another simple way for me to give back and be of greater service to you guys. I'm never going to spam you ever, ever, ever. So if it sounds like something you're interested in, then you can sign up for it at richroll.com. What else? Uh, go to richroll.com for all your plant power merch and swag needs. I got signed copies of Finding Ultra and the Plant Power Way. I got cool t-shirts, tech tees. We got sticker packs, all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, I want to thank everybody who helped put on the show today. Jason Camiolo for audio engineering and production. Sean Patterson for all his graphics. He does a great job on that. Chris Swan, uh, who assists on the production, does all the show notes, and really does a great job. Thank you, Chris. And theme music uh, by Analemma. Also, interstitial music by Analemma today as well. You can check them out on SoundCloud. Just go to soundcloud.com. And in the search window, type in A-N-A and then new word L-E-I-M-M-A. And you'll find their band page there. That's my boy's band. In any event, thanks for all the support, you guys. I've got a final thought for you. 
Griff is a guy who recognized early that he just wasn't graced with all the God-given athletic prowess that would be required for him to just waltz into the NFL. And not only did he believe in himself and work his butt off to get there, he studied his weaknesses and he went the extra mile to identify areas that he could exploit to gain an advantage and bridge that talent gap. So my question for you is this, what are you overlooking in your life that could provide the foundation for a quantum leap forward with just a little focused attention? What weaknesses are you ignoring? And what could you do that your colleagues or your coworkers or your competitors are not doing that would allow you to achieve that goal that you seek? So why don't you chew on that? And I'll see you guys again soon. Peace. Plants.